everybody, it's Marissa, and you are listening to From Boise. Today's story is actually the first part of a two-part series. So today's story is the history of transportation in Boise, and next week's story is the future of transportation in Boise. This story honestly kind of came about in like several ways over time. It's just something I've been thinking about for a while. We've had a few actually past from Boise stories that talk about the development of certain neighborhoods. Um, Namely, these stories are the history of the Boise bench and the history of the Eustick town site. I'll link to both of those if you are interested. They're really good. I mean, in those stories, I, I basically learned that those neighborhoods and many other neighborhoods in Boise developed kind of in parallel with streetcar lines. So obviously we don't have streetcars anymore. You'll learn about that today. But I just thought that it was interesting that, you know, we we drive through these neighborhoods and like don't ever really think about how they came about or the fact that they weren't always there. Some of them are actually quite new. And I think that's something that's interesting is that, you know, we are building new neighborhoods right now in the valley and public transportation is not always of that conversation. Actually, it's not usually part of that conversation. So, you know, fast forward to now, Boise is changing. It's growing. One of the main topics is transportation. Valley Regional Transit just redesigned the bus system. There's been talks about bringing passenger trains back. And then we've also this year have had some really horrible accidents between cars and pedestrians. So I just have been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking, you know, about how I get around, about how, where I live, you know, I have a lot of privilege about how I get around and how the things that I can access, how that's different for a lot of people, depending on where you live and work and like what your life looks like. But it's an important conversation to have in Boise and I am not an expert, but I wanted to think more deeply about transportation in Boise. So I, I think with anything, it's important to, you know, understand the past and all the things that have led us to where we are now. I also am just interested in history, (laughs) but I really do think that, you know, learning about and understanding history helps us understand and have more of appreciation for where we are now and where we are heading. So that's why I wanted to do this in a two-parter, which honestly, I I probably could have broken it into even more parts because there's obviously a lot involved in both of these topics and the overall topic, but let's just, let's just do it. Right. I could like, you know, go deep on subjects till I'm like blue in the face. And at some point you just have to be done writing the story. (laughs) So today's story is about the history of transportation in Boise. This story was written by Sharon Fisher. And next week, we will talk about the future of transportation in Boise. As always, you can read this story and see photos that go along with today's story in the newsletter that is in your inbox or at fromboise.com. And you should totally go look at the stories in today's newsletter because they're super interesting. Thank you to the Idaho State Archives, Idaho State Historical Society, and Valley Regional Transit, especially the RT. They scanned like a hundred photos 
uh, historical photos for me to just look through and pick from. It was really hard to not put like a million photos in this story, but they're really good. So go check it out. All right. This is the history of transportation in Boise. Again, it was written by Sharon Fisher. It's read by me, Marissa. Here we go. The next time you get stuck in Boise traffic, count your blessings. After all, less than 150 years ago, you would have been riding in a stagecoach on an unpaved, bumpy road where it would have taken you all day long just to get from Boise to CUNA. The history of personal transportation in Boise covered several eras, ranging from literal horsepower to electric streetcars to gasoline and now electric and gas-powered cars and buses, not to mention the infrastructure on which they traveled. What's important to remember, though, is that the era of the stagecoach didn't suddenly switch to the era of the streetcar, followed by the era of the automobile. Instead, there were years where different modes of transportation shared the roads, more or less harmoniously. During those transitionary periods, carriages, horseback, cars, and streetcars, not to mention pedestrians and bicyclists, would all be interacting with each other on the Boise streets at the same time. There are newspaper articles reporting that Mr. So-and-so's horse was spooked by Mr. Smith's new Buick on Main Street. Dan Everhart, who is the State Historic Preservation Office Outreach Historian for the Idaho State Historical Society, told us that the modes would have intersected with each other, not figuratively, but literally. Some old-timer would be holding on to his horse and buggy because he doesn't trust a car, and saying, I'm not going to sell my horse and buy one of those newfangled things. (laughs) And until one was supplanted by the other, they were all in the same roads together. So let's look at the horse-drawn era. The very, very first way that people came to Boise was on their own, by foot or by horse. Barbara Perry Barr, who is the principal historian with TAG Historical Research and Consulting in Boise, said that the way people were arriving in Boise in those early mining years was either on foot or by horse. But it wasn't long before entrepreneurs started coming up with ways to provide transportation for people who didn't have their own horse. By the late 1860s and 1870s, stagecoach lines were bringing people to the area from the railroad stop at Kelton, Utah. Bauer also said that That would have been the main transportation point for people coming into the area from the east, but from the west, they were coming from Walla Walla, Washington. Northwest Stage Companies was the one that was pretty prominent. She also noted that William Morris, who went on to develop the Boise Bench and after whom developments such as the Morris Hill Cemetery were named, came into Boise originally as the manager of the Northwest Stage Line. Other stagecoach lines traveled between Idaho mining camps and suppliers in Boise. In fact, Bauer had compiled a list of almost two dozen stagecoach companies that served the Treasure Valley at one time or another. And what if you were going someplace that wasn't on the stagecoach line? Well, just like today, you would have taken an Uber, except back then it was definitely not called Uber and you had to control it yourself. Notice I did not say drive. As Bauer explained, not everyone had a horse. So then you had the development of livery stables which housed horses of residents who didn't have space to keep the horse. So wealthier folks had their own stables and carriages and whatnot. And the livery stables were like a parking garage for horses. They also provided blacksmiths and other services for taking care of animals and wagons. The streetcar era came next. Before long, transportation providers had another option besides horsepower, electricity. Bauer, 
who, by the way, is also the author of the book Treasure Valley's Electric Railway, which is a great book. Super interesting. If you're into history like I am, you will love it. Bauer explained that we never actually had a horse-drawn streetcar in Boise. Our mass transit system really did start with Boise Rapid Transit, which was an electric streetcar. That was incorporated in August of 1890 and started providing service a year later. By then, Boise was big enough that it needed public transportation. Bauer said that it was a boon for people who lived in the community because you could get around the city so much more easily. Streetcars also connected Boise to other Treasure Valley cities, such as Caldwell, leading them to also be being called the, quote, interurban. Streetcars also promoted development. Private investors would buy land, rent a streetcar out to the land, as well as the electricity infrastructure to power it, and then divide the land into residential lots and sell it. These so-called, quote, streetcar suburbs, which I will link to a chapter in Bauer's book about the streetcar suburbs. It's so interesting. You'll love it. These so-called streetcar suburbs are still reflected in the development of Boise today. Bauer said that Boise was not unique. This was a nationwide phenomenon. As people were able to live further from the downtown area, you had developers investing in property they wanted to sell. The early developers were the force behind these streetcar lines. For example, Walter Pierce bought property and represented developers in the North End, while Harlan Eustick did the same thing for land that he owned on the western side of town. You can read our story all about the streetcar and the development of the Eustick town site, which is now literally just one road. Um, I will link to that story for you. Streetcars led to the development of outlying areas such as the Boise Bench. And Bauer said that they wanted streetcar access to downtown. It was incredibly instrumental in how the city was shaped, how our neighborhoods grew, and where the population base was located. Streetcars are absolutely undeniable in our city's heritage. Save the date. Wintery Market is back in Boise on November 17th and 18th in downtown Boise. Wintery Market is a handmade-for-the-holidays indie craft, art, and vintage market. This year, there will be 187 regional artists, makers, and small businesses set up in four different rooms of the Boise Center in downtown Boise. Wintery Market is one of the very best places to get some unique and handmade holiday gifts, and you're supporting makers and small businesses along the way. From Boise, we'll actually have a booth at Wintery Market this year, so you could come see us and say hello and shop our new clothing items coming soon. Admission for Wintery Market is only 10 bucks for the whole weekend or $5 on Saturday and children 12 and under are free. You can buy your tickets online right now, or you can also buy with cash or card at the door. So save the date for Wintery Market at the Boise Center on the Grove Plaza in downtown Boise happening on Friday, November 17th from 4 to 9 p.m. and Saturday, November 18th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can learn more and see a list of the 2023 vendors at winterymarket.com. The automobile era. The first car in Boise. Date, not definite. In Haley, it was in 1903. In Idaho City, it was 1904. And they were definitely present in Boise by 1905. So somewhere around then. But as automobiles became more common, as you can imagine, the era of the streetcar came to an end. But the popularity of the automobile led to something else, the development of roads, particularly paved roads. 
Everhart told us it was pretty clear that once the automobile was an assured system of travel, that there was going to be need some sort of investment in infrastructure. So this is happening nationwide in the uh, 1910s and 1920s. There was the, quote, good roads movement, which was sponsored by car clubs and began pushing for state and federal investment in highway infrastructure. Everhart told us that Boise had similar clubs pushing for, if not the pavement of our streets and roads, at least the widening and maintenance. Though downtown Boise had more of a need for paved roads, as you can imagine, than most of the rest of Idaho at the time. Paved roads were also used as an economic development tool to help attract residents to the city. Initially, roads were created by the Ada County commissioners who formed road districts. But Bauer said that where there was enough of a population, you could get a petition to get a road. You had to have a certain number of people, then the road would be put in place. So that's how some of those farm to market roads came to be in the area. She also said that roads to mining areas such as Idaho City were formed in the same way. Paved roads started in the early 1900s with McAdam, which was a type of paving using broken stones mixed with tar and expanded with technological changes and material improvements after about 1912. Bauer said that at that point, that's when the state began forming individual highway districts in charge of road construction throughout the area. In 1961, Ada County decided that its farm-to-market roads would become arterials and began to pave them. Things went on that way for some time. Ada County had a road department and Boise had a public works department, the two comprising about 150 employees, according to Ada County Highway District records. In addition, smaller cities had small road departments and some road equipment. Boise residents, however, felt that they were falling behind in the roads department, with one estimate that it lagged in street construction and repair by about $18 million. So in 1971, the League of Women Voters proposed a countywide highway system, ACHD. While most of the outlying areas voted against it, it won in Boise, and roads in the county have been funded and managed that way ever since. It is worth noting that today, ACHD is one of the only countywide highway systems in the entire country. The bus era. More than any other transportation method, the era of the bus actually was shared among several other methods of transportation. Gasoline-powered buses took over some of the streetcar routes, even run by the same people. And almost as soon as the streetcars themselves were shut down, both buses and cars were sharing the road, which they still do today. In particular was Pierce. He invested in gasoline-powered buses and ran them along the streetcar lines that serviced his streetcar suburbs. Bauer said that they still had a bus service to the folks who lived in the areas he had helped construct. They were even still called streetcars back then, even though it was a bus. City directories from 1930 referred to the, quote, Boise Streetcar Co., and they weren't even running streetcars. It was buses on rubber tires. Old habits died hard, I guess, huh? Other bus lines were set up to support other local communities. Bauer said that you could no longer travel that multi-community route, but you could still get around to different communities with a bus. For many years, they were privately funded, but they weren't always making a ton of money. In 1962, that started to change because lawmakers on the federal level started looking at funding for mass transit. Jason Rose, the communications director for Valley Regional Transit, which is based in Meridian, told us that in 1962, that all started to change when lawmakers at the federal level started looking for funding for mass transit. 
1964, the first Urban Mass Transportation Act was passed, which created the Urban Mass Transportation Administration, which later became the Federal Transit Administration, or the FTA. The real heyday for buses in Boise started in 1973 with Boise Urban Stages, which, if you shorten it, bus. Get it? Clever. Anyways, Boise Urban Stages was a private entity that was privately funded and restricted to the city of Boise. That organization operated for about 20 years, while a similar organization called Treasure Valley Transit started running in Canyon County. Jason said that there were two separate systems running independently of each other. At that point, there were buses and routes, but no formal bus stops. Instead, people had to flag down the bus. Jason said that you had to like literally know where the route was, and it was obviously very inefficient because there was no way to know how often the bus stopped. It could be zero times, it could be a hundred times, and you just had to sit there and wait and find out. So in 1994, the Idaho legislature passed a bill to give citizens the opportunity to form regional public transit authorities. And in the Treasure Valley, two of them passed, one in each county. They were formed in 1998. Then in January of 1999, the boards of each county voted to merge into the Treasure Valley Regional Public Transit Authority, or Viatrans. Jason said that they were seeing the need to have a regional connected system rather than two disconnected systems. So in 2004, the organization changed its name to Valley Regional Transit, or VRT, while the service itself changed its name to Valley Ride. More recently, both the organization and the service have started using the term VRT. It wasn't until 2005 that the buses moved away from the flag system to a bus stop system. There was a pole in the ground so you could at least recognize something rather than just having this free-for-all. VRT's development has been hampered because Idaho is the only state in the union that doesn't have a dedicated source of operations funding. Instead, each year, VRT has to go to various communities and ask for funding. That's partly why so much of the bus system covers Boise rather than its surrounding communities. Not only does Boise have the largest population, but it also provides the lion's share of the operational funding. However, VRT is eligible for grants and other sources of funding for capital expenses, such as the buses and stations. That's what funded the Main Street Station, which is that underground downtown Boise station that opened in 2015. Jason said that it's the largest station we have, and it's an amazing facility for an agency of VRT size. It is an amazing facility, by the way. If you haven't been in there, it's great. It's the station that I get off on to when I go into downtown and... I love it. It's so easy and it's out of the rain. (laughs) All right. So wrapping this up, the streetcars influence today. Ironically, a lot of the bus routes continue to follow the same routes as the streetcars. But when you think about it, it actually makes sense. The transit agency decides on routes based on factors such as population density, job density, destinations, pedestrian access, and sidewalks, which were all factors that were created and influenced by the streetcar routes. Jason said that a lot of cues that VRT takes comes from routes developed long ago. In the 1920s and before the automobile, those were areas that were built for people. Both the buses and the inner urban were made to send large groups of people around the Treasure Valley. In contrast, areas developed between the 1920s and the 1960s and were developed under the presumption that people had cars and could spread out, which makes running an economic public transit system a little bit more difficult. But VRT follows where the people go. That's what the interurban did. It's where a lot of car-centric development is built to move automobiles. 
other environments like early Boise, early Caldwell, and early Nampa were built around people because there wasn't a demand for space for cars. There was the demand for people to gather to move about on foot or on horseback. While the early automobile became popular because it was considered to provide people with freedom, now VRT is trying to provide a different freedom and more options, the freedom to not have an automobile. Like Jason said, at Main Street Station, you see people from all walks of life, ranging from students to professionals to shift and restaurant workers. It's something that people don't know about, and that's the story that we're trying to tell, that the bus really can be for everyone in the Treasure Valley. All right, today's story was written by Sharon Fisher. Sharon is a digital nomad specializing in history. If you would like to read more of her work, I have a link for you in the show notes. And stay tuned for next week's story, which will kind of pick up where I'm leaving off right now about VRTs trying to, you know, change the bus system. But really, VRT is trying to change the way that us people in Boise view public transportation because right now it's not cool to ride the bus. I don't know why I ride the bus and it's amazing, but we'll talk about this more next week when I talk to you about the future of transportation in Boise. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.